Ladies and gentlemen, our Clitorati. Boy, do we have a special treat for you this Tuesday. Our guest has been escaping the norms of society for over a decade in the sex positive realm, leading the online world of sex education with easy to understand tips and methods. 1.1 million of you follow her on her YouTube channel. She's been featured in Forbes, Cosmo, Playboy, Maxim, and her vulnerability has helped so many people on their journey to better sex, fulfilling relationships, and a powerful sexual body, including us three clips. So we're very excited. Please welcome the intimacy babe, Adina Rivers. Welcome. We are so excited. Welcome to you. Welcome to me. (laughs) She 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 is meeting us all the way from Bali. That's the one cool thing about remote recording. We now are able to interview people all over the world. And she has gotten up bright and early for us. So we really appreciate you being here, even with a new little baby. <laughs> um, so Thank let's, you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So let's jump right in. We, we love so many aspects of your story. And I love your story about your sensual body transformation, because we like to remind our clitorati that we're just real people, <laughs> just like them, and we're not extra special. Can you talk about how you reclaimed your sexuality, your body, and your confidence to transform into the sex guru that you are today and what that actually looks like and what that actually took to get to that place. I do. So first thing that I want to say is that I'm not the biggest fan of calling anyone, including myself, a guru. Because for me, you know, life and love, sexuality, sensuality is an ongoing journey. It just never mm. ends. Um, and I don't think honestly that anybody ever reaches in this lifetime a state of being a guru. Um, we do make experiences. We all make different experiences. Um, and that's the reason we can learn from children, right? Because they are not here for so long. They are, if, if anybody, children are gurus, right? Because totally. they're still in their most natural state. They still embrace fully their nude body. They have not even an awareness that there is any inhibitions or weirdnesses around the, the, the nude sexual body or the nude body. They don't know yet that they really have a sexual body. So it's, um, that's, I think, the first step in my realization that I will never really reach that final state where I have things figured out. It's an ongoing journey. I just had my pregnancy, which means I have to refine myself again in my sexuality, in my sensuality. What does it mean to fully embrace this new post-pregnant body, you know, second pregnancy? Um, And what does it mean to make love in that body? So for me, every day really is a new start into my sexuality, into my relationship, into what it means to be Adina, you know, to redefine myself. Um, so there is not really one one thing that has led me um, to become who I am. I'm constantly becoming. Mm, I love that. Yeah, constantly yeah. becoming. Yeah. And and tell us, and, and so another thing that really struck us, and we couldn't believe it after over 200 episodes of a podcast, we've never done an episode on the art of kissing, which yeah. seems like okay. it, should, it should have been one of the, one of the first things we did, right? And you talk about, you know, uh, you know, sacred, there's an intense exchange. Can you tell us a little bit about 
the science and the art of kissing? Well, um, kissing is just the fundament of, of anything in relation to sexuality. With our mouth, everything starts. Even again, going back to children, the way we're exploring the world is through the mouth, is through testing things. Like my little baby right now, she's putting everything into her mouth. She's trying everything. And through putting it in her mouth, she receives information about the item that she's putting into her mouth, right? Mm. Um, even things that we wouldn't put into our mouth anymore, she puts into her mouth. And I'm not stopping her to put anything into her mouth because she is learning and gathering information that I couldn't give her with my words. And so it is also for kissing. When we kiss someone, we are really collecting so much information about that person, information that we can't even perceive with our uh, thinking minds, but it's really on a subconscious level. It's really for the primal brain that perceives all the information on status maybe of this guy that we are kissing, you know, how strong is he? How good is his sperm? How capable is the sperm to possibly impregnate me, right? And I don't know, is it a, a, a good fit for my soul even? That's just mm. my assumption. But I do believe that it really works this way as well. So really we collect so much information through the saliva, which contains the DNA of the person. So kissing is just super, super, super powerful, important. I love kissing. Like the way I started my whole sensuality was really <laughs> kissing. I remember when I was like 14 or 15, I went out on a party with a couple of friends, actually to so many parties. And <laughs> Every night, like when I was around 16, I would be kissing like three, four, five different guys just to test how it feels for me. Um, and in that process, I learned so much about kissing and what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy, what type of guy I like kissing. So that eventually, as I got older, I actually didn't want to kiss so many guys anymore. And I got really, really specific who I wanted to kiss and why I didn't want to kiss certain guys. So I think kissing is so vital, so important, opens up the entire sexual body, kissing your tongue is connected to your throat, your throat is connected to your intimate area, to your clitoris, to your vagus nerve. It's just super, super important. So I always encourage people to kiss as much as possible. Women get more wet, you know, guys get more centered in their upper body, not just in their lower body of their sexual body. And so it's really, really important for them as well. It helps with expanded orgasms. You guys can see I'm super passionate. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you did you just say your tongue is collect, connected to your clitoris? Yeah, of course. It's all I mean, connected. I mean, all to it makes sense. I mean, I definitely get wet when I kiss someone, but I just wanted to know what you meant by that exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it makes sense. Look, the tongue is connected to the vagus nerve as well. Right? The vagus nerve goes through the entire body, and the vagus nerve connects everything from the upper body to the lower body. So, of course, it's connected. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. I, and I do. I feel like you can I tell love- so much in a kiss, right? Like I can tell right away if I'm compatible right from the first kiss with someone. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think it's even a great way for girls, you know, when they're still, or even guys, when they're still unsure whether they want to proceed with a person um, and 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 um, go further in their sexuality, or you know, possibly thinking whether they want to have sex with a person. I think this is a really great way to figure out whether you really want to do that. And for me, the sex lovemaking is a sacred thing, so I wouldn't make love with just any guy. Um, and the, 
I think around the age 20, 21, I was really cautious of that. So that's why I used kissing actually as a tool to figure out mm. for myself whether I wanted to make love to someone or not. And it prevented me of a lot of not so good decisions. Sometimes I didn't know on a conscious level why I didn't want to make love with this guy, but I felt it through the kiss right away. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like an it's like an imprint that happens. This like energetic imprint. It's either like green light or red light or yellow light. Like <laughs> um, yellow light being like, okay, the the kiss was. I've had good kisses, but the breath was off. And then I'm like, wait, I want to like give us another chance though, because maybe it was just maybe that week their hygiene was a little off. Maybe it will, you know. And I've come back to kiss people who then their breath was fresh the second time, and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't just like write that person off of my like you know my 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 make out people my make out pool of people uh, 100% <laughs> but every, everything communicates something so even the breath communicates so maybe on that very day the breath was for you uh, indication or a communicator that this wasn't what you needed or what your body mm. needed for someone else maybe the breath wouldn't have been that bad you know but for you it was on that day and what I always encourage people to do is to really listen to the signs of the body is your body really inviting that person and does the body your body wants that person right now or is it a maybe and as long as it's not a hell yes I would never go for the sexual exploration I even do that in my relationship in my long-term relationship with Oliver, uh, I really, really keep it real. I don't make love if I don't feel I really want to or my body doesn't feel like it really wants to. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is yeah. that is really good advice for every human on earth. If your body doesn't want to do it, don't do it. If it's, we call it's that so a, simple. Yeah. We've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to a hundred real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this banging free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because clitorati it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts pussy pussy it's gonna be a good one today yes i'm talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk come on girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow bring your pussies to the show hundred percent. It's so simple. But the thing is, so many people, especially women, make love, even though they don't really feel it, 
to mm-hmm. please their partner, to make them happy because they feel they have to. And so they're going a lot against their own physical not just physical, also energetic intuition. Women know, every human being knows what they need to do. They have a gut instinct. But a lot of people just really brush it off and say, oh no, but I have to, society expect me, my partner expects me, my girlfriend expects me to do that, you know? So my journey in the past 10 years really has been to fully listen to my intuition and trust it, no matter how awkward it is, no matter what it tells me, no matter if everybody else tells me to do something else, I still follow that freaking intuition of mine each and every time. Yeah. Oh, mm. so well said. Um, mm. And and you have an incredible YouTube channel with so much information. And one of the videos that did pique our interest was you have the nine secrets of being a great kisser. Could you maybe give us one or two of those secrets? Like what is really like at the core of being a great kisser? Mm. It's a, I'm never a fan of the how to move, actually, even though most of my older videos are all how-to videos because I mm. do understand that it helps people to understand things very easily. But I think where it always starts um, to become a great person in anything in bed, for kissing, for, you know, being a good lover, partner, is always with our energy. Like, where do mm. we stand with our energy? Um, is it a bright, positive, aligned energy inside of us? Or are we tense, um, anxious, afraid? All of these things define how we are being perceived as we kiss a person. And obviously also, the way you kiss also does matter. So even though you have a great energy, you don't know how the fuck to kiss, it, it might also not match up. So, you know, me personally, the way I learned everything in my life is through exploration, being really open-minded, trying out things, not just doing one thing all the time. So usually when people start kissing, they do it in either the way they have seen it on TV or they're just trying things, you know, so <laughs> that's a good start. That's a good start. And then you just say, you know, you go along, you, you, you try to find out what really works for you. But really what I always say and encourage is to really use every tool you have been given by God with your beautiful body. So really mm. using tongue, using fully the lips, using your teeth, using your breath, using all of it. And that, of course, is why the breath needs to be really well taken care of, which means your whole body needs to be well taken care of, right, in order to use it. Um, But use all of these elements that you have been given. Play with your body. Play with your energy. Become playful. Playfulness is the most important thing for anything when it comes to sexuality, but also everyday life. Um, So those would be, I would say, the fundamentals of a really beautiful kiss. And from there, people usually go. But, you know, the issue is that most people are not really exploring Mm. their bodies. They usually act in in a limited way in their body, which oftentimes happens, of course, because there has been trauma. There have been limitations put upon their sexuality. So they don't dare really to express themselves fully, to fully, you know, explore what what we have been given. Um, And that's what I would like to encourage people. Really try to go a little bit beyond your comfort zone and test the waters a little bit with all the tools you have been given. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like really just painting with all the colors you can paint. And, And I love that 
that ethos. And I'm, you know, for someone who is listening right now and is thinking, okay, yeah, I want to do that, but I have no idea where to start. What would be your advice of like, where's the, what's the first step for someone who maybe is a little afraid to do this, but it's like, okay, what's one thing I can like do to be out of my comfort zone? What would be your advice to them? In regards to kissing or just in general? Just in general. Yeah. Mm. Well, there is no other way than going for things. There's like, you know, there's no other way than trying new things. You will have to try new things, get uncomfortable and um, be okay in that discomfort that oftentimes happens. I remember like many, many years ago when I started my sexual exploration, I would go on so many retreats, seminars to explore tantric massages, explore yoni massages, explore lingam massages, explore anal massages, explore all those massages with random people, you know, in a safe setting, in a seminar setting, um, led by really amazing um, teachers. But I would be there and I would freak out internally. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like standing here, sitting here in front of a total stranger about to massage his anus. <laughs> you know, not that I really enjoyed it, all of these practices that we have explored, not that it was something that I'm incorporating all the time into my lovemaking now, but I did really enjoy that I explored all of it, that I lost my discomfort, my fears around certain body parts, you know, and everything becomes just really one erotic piece of sensuality, you know. And so when um, you are asking the question how people can step out of their comfort zone, it really is to try new things all the time. And it can start even with your daily life that Mm. you don't always go for the same things every day. You don't have the same routine every day. You take a different path. You know, instead of going right, you go left today to go to work. Or you, instead of drinking coffee, you drink a tea in the morning. What the, what it happens? What happens is it stimulates different parts of yourself. So you you get a new sense of being more awake in the sensations of your body. You experience your body more fully. And when it comes to sexuality, anything around sexuality is about sensations in our body, right? It's about feeling ourselves. And how can you feel yourself if you're numb? So you have to kind of get out of that state of being numb. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? By shocking your body. by And how do you shock your body? By having new experiences. It's the only way to do it. I like it. Okay, like Clitorati, you guys got to rip the Band-Aids off and just start doing the things <laughs> you've been thinking about doing and actually... <laughs> Do them. Try one Go of them. Go to that sex party. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I totally yeah. encourage that. Me too. Hey. We, we do too. <laughs> um, amazing. And um, and you are, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about sex and pregnancy. And you have talked a lot about on your social platforms about um, being a mama of two. I know you just had another baby. Congratulations. Um, and, you know, what would you say... Um, to women, what's the most important things for women in her relationship with both herself, right? And in maintaining the intimacy in a relationship with her partner, especially when you've got a full life? Good question. I was just yesterday actually thinking about that because um, it's 
Nala, my little baby girl, is now about to be 12 months old. Aww. Her birthday will be in like two weeks. Happy birthday. I matched it the first year. Wow. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even my own uh, relationship with sexuality in the past couple of months has struggled because Nala has been really, really intense. She's been waking up sometimes five, six, seven times a night. Wow. I know other moms are more lucky and the baby sleeps through the night right away. Um, me, I have a little firecracker and um, she doesn't let me sleep. Um, and that, of course, leads to me having uh, less energy in my body. And when it comes to lovemaking, everything is about energy. So I was wanting to write actually a post, make a video on that, because I know there are so many women who keep on asking me, how can I maintain my sexuality, my connection, my intimacy with my partner right after um, I have had my baby? And to be honest, where I stand right now, I would rather say, don't force it. Don't, you know, put even more pressure upon you mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it is already such an intense journey. A woman has just given birth you know, which is intense on the body anyways. It takes about the same amount of time that you have grown this baby inside your body that it needs for your body to recover and add some more to really get back that life force energy into the feminine body after she has given birth takes some time. Mm. So that has to be honored very much so. And many, many women I know feel under pressure that right after birth, they have to continue, give their partner intimacy, pleasure, sensations, so that the relationship can remain powerful and strong. And while I agree that intimacy is really, really important and connection is very important, but I do stand right now at a place where I say, you know, I think relationships have to, can find different ways of connection and intimacy other than just sexuality. So again, it goes back to the thing that I said to you before, I would never encourage a woman to make love if she doesn't fully feel it. And if she doesn't feel her body is strong enough to really want to experience the sensations. And honestly, after you have given birth, breastfeeding 24 seven, it is a lot. It is a lot. You're giving a lot yeah. to another human being. And then, you know, for lovemaking in itself, you need the energy so your body can get aroused, your body can get wet, your clitoris can get erect. Um, you really are fully present. It takes energy also. So unless you don't have that energy, I wouldn't go for it. And I would seek different ways of connection and intimacy with the partner. For me, that is that I really honestly with my energy, with my heart, with my words, connect with Oliver, for example. You know, or I do things for myself. I go out. I take time for myself. That's another way of connecting, like I, that I connect with myself. And then through that, I can connect with my partner. So it's really, really about honoring myself first and foremost. And through that, I build a deeper intimacy and connection with my partner. Yeah. Would that make sense to you guys? No, I'm does. so happy yeah, that you said that because yeah. like as a new mom, when you are just receiving, receiving, like I, your people are, you know, you need to be taken care of. It, it feels, um, I know I've often suffered like 
dealt with feeling selfish. Like if I have to go do something for myself, you know, like, but it's so energizing. Like if you don't fill your own cup, you don't have anything else to give. Like you can't Mm -hmm. just keep giving and giving and giving and not have any space for yourself. And I'm so, I'm so glad that you said that because it is so important. And I feel like it's a really hard thing for, for moms to step away, especially in, in the beginning and, and really do something for just themselves. Yeah. Yeah, And I also extracted, and I also extracted from what you were sharing, like, you know, Clitorati listening that isn't new moms, what she said still applies to all of us in that (laughs) the energy first. And if you're forcing yourself to do something, it's probably going to have a counterproductive effect on your intimacy. So rather than gaining more intimacy could create conflict if you're forcing it might not end well and get to the goal that you're wanting, which is really just connection. And something that I was thinking about is it's it's a practice that Katie does with Ethan, and it's a practice of cuddling for 20 minutes at a time with your partner, like setting aside like dedicated time for cuddling. And so I'm just imagining for our moms that listen to our show who are breastfeeding all day and like maybe they're, they're, they're lactating a little bit and they're just like, ow, don't touch me, everyone leave me alone. Like cuddling with your partner could be as close as you could get to sex that might be more fulfilling in that moment anyway. So rather than try to think what it needs to look, we need to get this outcome through this way we're used to doing it, being like, okay, how can we achieve the same outcome of connection and intimacy, how can we still get there? And I love that about what you shared in that there's these bridges and you have so many YouTube videos that certainly are bridges for these areas of intimacy that don't need to require uh, so much physical exertion from our body. A hundred percent. I say that's very beautiful what you have just shared. And also that you touched on the importance of, again, energy and like, again, like a lot of women, when they make love, even though they're not hundred percent feeling it, what happens is actually that you create rather a disconnection than a connection. So you're doing it because even though your body tells you, no, I'm not into it right now, I don't feel it. You're doing it because you think your partner wants it. But what you actually do is you create a really huge disconnect in your body. You're creating micro trauma also in your body. Each time mm. you make love with someone, you don't dig it. You create a micro trauma in your body and it leads to a disconnection with your partner rather yeah. than a connection. It's, it's basically you, a lie on an energetic level. And trust it, even though it's not spoken out in words, even though your partner doesn't know what exactly is going on. He feels that everybody feels stuff. Energy is real. Everything in this life is made up of energy. That's why I'm saying you can't lie when it comes to energy. So if you don't dig it, if your energy doesn't say hell yes, try to learn to follow that sensation. And in time, the more you listen to it, you will have even better lovemaking. You might have less lovemaking, but much better lovemaking. It's a practice. It's something that is really, really yeah. interesting to follow, you know, to, to follow the energetic impulses of the body and only make love and your body really says yes. Then you might experience that your body actually opens up to better orgasms, to more pleasure and some more surprising effects that come, come from that practice. Yeah, in our in our course we have a we have a we have a digital course sex and empowerment and one of our distinctions is cool. the full body fuck yes, right? Like 
don't, and we mm. actually apply it to your whole life. Like don't do anything that's not a full body fuck yes for you. And what if that was actually how we lived life? Only doing things that were full body mm. fuck yeses for us. Like what yeah. would be possible? Right? <laughs> I love this. Because if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. It's a fuck, you know, like you trying know? that on. And I, and I think that we need to normalize saying no, because I think a lot of times, you know, we will disguise our maybes, you know, or we'll disguise our no's as maybes. And I think it's okay mm. to say no, you know, like the mom guilt or like even just like the people pleasing guilt of like saying no. I think we need to normalize saying no and normalize like full body fuck yes. Like only do it if it's really resonates with you on a cellular level. Like if you lived your life that way, what would be possible? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that you are speaking, you know, so candidly. I think that, I think people assume sometimes because we have a sex podcast and, and, you know, we're, we're in the industry that we're in, that we're just having crazy sex all the time without any ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And I just really commend you for being so raw and honest, because I think that also normalizes this conversation, right? They see us, you know, in our Instagram posts and everything, but the truth is like, I haven't had sex with my partner in three months. Not because because mm. we're dealing with some health thing. It's not because we don't have the desire, but there's a health thing that we're dealing with, and and like and I don't really have like like because of that stress. Like I don't really have a libido right now. So it's I think that like if we're admitting that, then and it's okay. Like we're we're being intimate in other ways, and hopefully we'll be able to have sex soon. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's 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 beautiful that you're saying saying that, and it has to be totally normalized again that it's. There's mm-hmm. no shame in that. There's, it's absolutely mm-hmm. normal. Fuck, we're going through life. Life has ups and downs. We are not just sexual beings. We are holistic beings, you know. And and so this is so much a part of life. Come on, I've been with Oliver now for 18 years. Um, we have had so many periods where not so many, but we've had a period, for example, where for a whole year we didn't have sex because we had all of. Um, a couple of issues in our relationship in mm-hmm. regards to how we want to lead our relationship. I have had another partner um, at the same time, you know, and it was just really messing with the way we could connect. So it's, oh my gosh, it's so normal. It's yep. not even something that needs to be like normalized because it's right? just fucking normal. It's just, <laughs> it is. And, and what type of society are we living where we, where women have to be, or men have to be under pressure to admit that, oh my gosh, for like two weeks or three weeks or three months or four months, I didn't have sex. So right. what? So yeah. what, what's, what's exactly. the issue? What exactly. matters is how you talk about it. How do you incorporate it into your life? How, how real are you with yourself and your mm-hmm. partner? Can you talk about why this is going on or what does it mean? You know, is it, and again, it can be really powerful for a relationship as well to talk about it because I mean, again, a relationship, a partner is not there to be your sex slave or anything to right. like, you know, serve you, but a partner is there to be part of your life. That's a partner, you know, but, you know, it doesn't mean that your partner has to fulfill you or give you things to nurture you so that you can be happy. That's our job, right? It's my job to make (laughs) myself feel good. So if, if my partner is unhappy that I'm not making love with him 
for whatever reason, it's honestly not my job to make him happy about it. This mm. is something that he has to or feel okay about it, not happy again, whatever. But, you know, it's his work really to find out how to navigate this momentum. I understand that it's not easy, especially if we have a high libido. Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. it's not my partner's or it's not my job to give my partner my body so that he can feel better. No, it really is not. And I think we really can find a lot of empowerment in that for our relationship. Like my relationship with Oliver definitely has grown through these phases. And the way we have communicated during these times has really, really helped it. And I can totally see that Oliver particularly, because his libido is super, super high, he could make it every day, all day long, um, making love. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's not easy for him, but he has grown so much as a man. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, well said. Aww. So what, one thing that I totally bond with you on <laughs> is you're an advocate for not wearing a bra. Yeah, but I'm wearing and- one right now because my boobies <laughs> are so big from breastfeeding. I know. Well, that's what we that's wanted what to I ask you. Like, <laughs> when you breastfeed... Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so hard. Even now, my bra, like my nipples, are almost falling out. It used to be a bra that would fit totally, but now my boobs are almost falling out all the time because one boobs is bigger than the other one after one night of breastfeeding. Right. So I have to wear a bra right now. But other than that, I'm a I'm a no bra fan. Totally. Me too. I, so so why are you a no bra fan? I know why I am, but I want to know why you are. Oh my gosh, it just feels so much more liberating and erotic to me as well. I really, really enjoy to have my boobs be free. I sit mm. so many times outside in my garden naked and I sleep naked. I do so many things naked. Naked is just like, you know, the better way to live for me. I have to <laughs> agree honestly, with you. I'm the naked host. <laughs> I just want to say I really also appreciate bras at the moment, especially now after having given birth again. It's really, really hard when you have boobs filled with so much milk and they're so heavy. It it is just really hard to put on anything. You look like a cow. (laughs) You do not. I know. I nursed my son. I nursed my son until he was like almost two and a half, and then I got pregnant again right away. So I'll be looking forward to like no bras in about two more years, probably. Yeah. 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 I. I, it, It was this weird thing. It came over me one day. I like went to Burning Man. Here is which is a festival here, and I came back and I. I stopped wearing bras and I also stopped wearing underwear. I don't even own underwear anymore. They're like, they celebrate Panty Free Friday. I'm like, I'm panty free every day. (laughs) How do you do do it when you wear jeans or? I I don't wear jeans. (laughs) We just said someone asked us the exact same. Literally, I don't wear jeans. We have a private members (laughs) community uh, from our Sex and Empowerment uh, uh, Signature Masterclass community. And literally just Friday, we had someone say, what do you do if you have jeans on? Same okay, I'll admit it. I maybe have like five pairs of underwear on the rare occasion that where I wear my high waisted skinny black jeans. I will wear a pair of underwear, but I would say ninety eight percent of the time I don't wear underwear. Ninety nine percent of the time because I very it's very. Have you guys ever seen me in jeans? Like I don't wear jeans. No, <laughs> only the black over the waisted skinny leg jeans. Only every, those. and that's only every once in a while. The only that's, time I yeah, wear so underwear like, is when I go to a sex party in lingerie as like an outfit. 
Right. Well, then it's when it's, exactly, when it's an outfit, it's a different story. When it's a part of the fashion thing, it's a whole other story. Yeah. Well, yeah, we recommend like flowy skirts, uh, body suits, uh, yoga pants, anything but jeans. Just nothing that will cause chafing. Yeah, we don't want, you don't want to chafe. That's not hot. No. Um, So, and- and, Well, you definitely have a healthy, intimate area. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, part of the reason why I stopped wearing underwear is because I had like chronic yeast infections for a while and stopped wearing underwear actually helped it. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was saying that it's really good to have to wear no, no, no panties because it's just so much oxygen on your pussy. I love really mm -hmm. good. My puss, my pussy is well oxygenated and I swear to God, since I stopped wearing bras, I swear to God, my tits are perkier. Like they, they really are. Like the muscles have gotten stronger or something. Um. It is a hundred percent so. I mean, also even just because you're having more blood flow in that area, right? You're basically doing an exercise for your boobs all the time. So even though I said that now as I'm breastfeeding and wearing a lot of bra, I still do have a lot of no bra time. So literally yeah. like, of course I sleep completely naked all the time. I do do my workouts also sometimes on purpose without my bra because it's like an exercise to my boobs as well. And it's been proven in a lot of studies that women who don't wear a bra, they have definitely perkier boobs. It's, and it makes total sense. I mean, you're oxygenating your tissue here around the skin of your breast much more. More oxygen means that mm-hmm. the skin is going to be tighter. The tighter the skin, the perkier the boobs going to be. So it just Wow. This yeah. is so interesting. This is the opposite of like what I love you, mom, and you are you do so much to support me, but I have to say you really got it wrong here, ma. Um, my mom would have me like religiously wear a sports bra to bed growing up. It was oh. part of my nightly routine. Yeah. Wow. Make sure you put your sports bra on. It was part of my like checklist for getting ready for bed. I got breasts when I was 11. So my mom, like I had, she would, mm. she educated. She's like, you know, this is part of your nightly routine. Like wear, wear a sports bra. So my whole like, upbringing of blossoming and having breasts, I always, and the ironic thing is, is as an adult, I actually, I'm 28. Um, but for the last, like during my twenties, I've felt like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is the perkiest my boobs will ever be. And I've had insecurity around their level of perkiness. I've talked about on the show. I've overcome that insecurity by through experience and being naked body painted live was a way that I like ripped Mm. that bandaid off. By the way, Adina, I did. I've been three times body painted to like overcome that insecurity because I'm like fucking, you know, yeah. And however, (laughs) I wonder if it, um, if it has contributed to, you know, a sag. So I have a question. I have a serious question. Can I gain perkiness back in my breast if I (laughs) now for the rest of my life, um, don't wear a sports bra to bed? Can I regain that plumpness? The the question is, do we need to regain anything? So that is question number one. Um, Thank uh, you for calling me out on that. (laughs) um, And, 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 and I can talk about this right now because I, I do love my, I I used to love my breast a lot before this pregnancy. (laughs) And I, I'm starting to love my breasts again in a completely new way right now because they, they Mm. do change. And before this pregnancy, I was talking a lot about how you can maintain the perkiness in your breast. I even made a couple of videos on that. Um, but really right now I've gotten to the place where I'm like, you know, my boobs are just so awesome right now. They fucking like nurture another human being, a second human being, you know, making it, turning it into such a beautiful, powerful little queen. And, um, 
I'm starting to have a completely different connection to my breasts right now. They are indeed more like my breasts right now, definitely not as perky anymore as they were before because my boobs have grown like this during pregnancy and right after they like really two balloons. Um, (laughs) And now they're just getting back to normal. And of course it leads to the skin being a little bit less perky. So what I do is, number one, um, I do practice to um, not wear a bra as often as possible to like what we just talked about. The other thing that is that I still do, even though I also embrace, you know, loving my body the way it is, I do um, derma rolling, which is also very, very powerful. So you, what you do in the face, you can very much do so also on your breasts. And if you do that for six months, one time per week, it does have an effect on your breast. So any woman who would like to experiment a little bit with it, she can do it as a self-loving practice. You know, you're massaging your breasts with um, coconut oil. Then you're demo rolling with a little, you guys know this, right? The demo rollers? With a Is that the ones with on? like the, oh, the spikes? Oh, no, I don't know this. A demo you don't know roller? that stuff that you can put, you, yeah. Like a jade roller? No, it's not. It's like it's like a little roller. It has little spikes on it. You can um, define how deep oh. the spikes go. You can do it usually in your face. It just like brings the blood to the surface of your skin. So like, like a micro needle mm-hmm. roller is what you're kind of talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. And and it basically brings the blood to the surface a little bit more, and that plumps up the skin in your breast. So this is something that really, really works. A lot of women don't do it. Um, here in Bali, there's some practitioners that do it actually. Um, so you can go in there, you can have your breasts um, massaged professionally and then do this session with the roller. And it really, really does something. It's just something you have to do continuously. So this is a little secret that you can do to really maintain the beauty of your breasts. Um, but obviously if you have children, you won't, I mean, and you go fully natural, you can never change. Exactly. And it's just part of life. And it's beautiful. I think to experience and witness your body in all seasons of life. Right. It's really funny because I remember when I was a little girl and my boobs, you know, when you first get boobs, your boobs are like, bing, like they they, they don't like, there's no, there's no gravitational pull to them. But I remember when I was a little, like, I, I, I guess I wasn't a little girl, but when I was younger and my boobs were so perky, I always thought it was more beautiful when with boobs, because I wanted to look like a woman when gravity had like, you know, been in, on the, you know, had its impression on the boobs more. I always thought that was more beautiful. Like, I, and I still do to this day. I mm-hmm. think like the more womanly, like the, uh, you know, woman who looks like she's lived her life, I'm like, those are sexy to me. So it's really interesting. Like everyone has their different preferences. Like, you know, the, the general consensus, you know, patriarchal is like perky tits are better, but like, I actually don't know if I agree with that. Mm. Well, again, it's really, um, the very physical thing here, but again, like how we are attracted to human beings is oftentimes on an energetic level. So it's Mm. always all about like how aligned is a woman with her body, with her life, with herself in a holistic way, that's what makes a woman really, really attractive. So it doesn't really matter how her boobs look. It really matters how she carries herself and how Mm -hmm. confident she is about the body that she has. And oftentimes, at least that's what I also realized for myself, you become more confident. I become more confident the more I take care of my physical body. 
Um, I do sport every day, no matter how badly I slept. You know, I always mm. do stuff for my body to take well care of it. So it's really a part of my self-loving rituals to do my high intensity weightlifting, to, you know, massage my breasts every morning and every evening and to just really enjoy the person I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Beautiful. I love that. Um, Beautifully said. So one thing that you also said that really I loved is you you said that you love small penises. So how Mm. do we, how do we have sex with a small penis? (laughs) Well, I love every type of penis. It's not just small penis. It's, <laughs> it's particularly because guys with small dicks, they might be more self-conscious. But the truth mm. of the matter is that I don't I don't really care what the shape of a man's penis is. I care more, or the size of a man's penis, I care more really, again, about how he carries himself. Is he, mm. you know, is he really embodied in his body? Does he know how to move his body? Does he know how to touch me, how to play with me? Is he confident in bed? Um, those are the things that matter so much more. In fact, for me and for a lot of women, also the size of the penis or the penis in itself for her pleasure doesn't matter as much. And I always say when a woman complains about the size of a man's penis, it's not because there's something wrong with the guy's penis. It's more because she doesn't, has not yet awareness of her sexual energy, really. She doesn't, a woman doesn't need a penis in order to feel pleasure. Right. That's how women can have an orgasm and men can have an orgasm while they're sleeping. It is not necessarily a physical thing. Of course, our physical body is really, really exciting and it's arousing. Of course, when it gets aroused, (laughs) it's exciting when it gets aroused. But um, it doesn't we don't need the actual physical element in order to have pleasure in an orgasm. So. That's why I would say I like all sorts of penises. And Me penis too. Styles. I actually, I actually prefer like, <laughs> like the reason why I love that you said that is because for me, like, I think it might be the way my vagina is shaped. Like the really large penises are very difficult for me personally. Mm. But I know like for mm-hmm. Katie, it's very different. <laughs> She's self-proclaimed yeah. self size queen earlier today. <laughs> so it's, I think, it's, I think mm. it's, it's great that there's opportunities out there for everybody. Something that yeah, definitely oh, it's like, yeah, it's all coming back to energy. Like this episode and everything we're talking about, it's like it doesn't matter what your dick size is or your clit size is. Just is your energy aligned? Do you love yourself? Mm. Yeah, and something well, that honestly, you you also become more independent of being of receiving pleasure. Imagine you're always dependent on needing a big penis in order to experience satisfying pleasure for yourself. Mm. The journey always has to be about energetic alignment in lovemaking and in everyday life. It always comes back to that. There is no other way because otherwise you're going to be dependent forever on your lover to be happy in your life, in your sexuality. And that's going to be long-term in a long-term relationship, always complicated. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. It's so true. It's something we were um, we were really admiring you for. Um, we were as we were combing through your Instagram. Katie and I were talking. We, you know, Katie is pregnant and um, really looking at mm. how she wants to. She was. We were really admiring your pregnancy pictures. And Katie had mentioned actually that you received a lot of flack for that. Hate is that, is that true? Like hate mail? Is that true? And I love how well, you on turned my it around. Pregnancy? 
you, you were posting like naked photos and you posted screenshots of messages women had sent you about like, how dare you like be naked and pregnant? And I felt like you really took it by the, took it by the horns and like owned your radiance and your beautiful body, no matter what state it's in and celebrated. And you didn't have to like change because you're now like a mom, you know? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a rebel by nature. I'm a rebel by nature anyways. Come on. I mean, um, se- pregnancy is one of the most sexiest times in a woman. I mean, we are full of life. We are abundant. We are, mm-hmm. we are producing another human being. What could be sexier than that face? Man, I wanted to take naked pictures all the time of myself. <laughs> if I could have, I would have uploaded so many more naked pictures on my Instagram <laughs> if I could, but Instagram doesn't let me, so I don't. <laughs> no, I love it. And I wanted to share that feeling of abundance in my body, of sensuality in my body with so many people. I had so much sex during my pregnancy as well, because it just, you know, I just felt so good in my body this time. Maybe it was because I took care differently of my sexual body, of my pregnant body as well um, than in my first pregnancy. But I felt really, really good in my body all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm sorry that I'm saying that now because I know you just said that you don't feel so good in your body. So no, again, I mean, I, yeah. I feel sick, but I am still very horny. Like my pregnancy, okay. I feel like are my horniest times. So like my sexual yes. body, I feel like really kind of explodes. My physical body right now is not, not has not been feeling so good, but I think mm-hmm. that comes with the territory. But you really inspired yes. Katie of how she wants to you know, show up inside of her pregnancy. You know, we were on a public platform as well and, and it really inspired her. And I think that it's just inspirational. Like you, you know, for you two, you relate to it through your pregnancy, but I think it's really like standing in whatever your body shape is and owning it and loving and loving. And like, I love how you said like you're, you're embracing your breasts. And I really think that's like sort of a through line for this whole episode is like embracing where you're at. And it sounds like it's a, um, it's a conscious choice for you to continue in that conversation. Would you say that that's true? Like you consciously choose to love your breasts the way that they are in this moment. Is that, is that like a, a conscious practice for you? A hundred percent, 100 percent. But just like everything, like even the type of relationship that I want to lead, everything is at the stage of my life right now. It's a very, very conscious choice because, you know, you start to realize time is limited. My mm-hmm. brother passed away last year, you know, and he was still freaking young. And that just really brought to my awareness of how short life really is. So um, I realized for myself that I really, really wanted to be very aware of of my true desires, of what I truly yearn for, what I really want in my life, that I only have this body. So I better appreciate my body the way it is right now. And the only way to enjoy life is if I appreciate this body. It's the only way. If I go through life hating my body, not liking it, going constantly to surgeries to improve it. Again, I'm not ditching anybody who wants to do surgery, but I'm just saying I think it's really powerful to find a way to love yourself as you are right now. Do everything in your natural power to take care of this of this vehicle that you got, this temple that you got, you know? But mm-hmm. then also really, really embracing who you are because it's the only way to enjoy and appreciate this life. And life is so freaking short, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a beautiful... 
what a beautiful way to complete this very powerful episode. Um, Adina, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and be with us and have this really powerful, authentic conversation. I, I am sure there are people listening right now that this made a difference for. I needed to hear a lot of the things that you had to share today. I'm sure other people did that are listening to this right now. Um, you have a plethora of fantastic resources you have many courses. Would you please share with our listeners where they can, the best way for them to find you, to keep in touch with you? We're obviously going to put all this in our show notes as well, but what's the best way for people to find you? What are some some of the things that you offer that people might be interested in? I don't, you know, I have so many things going on at the same time. Um, I run online workshops, uh, live erotic online workshops, which is maybe something that people might be interested um, where I show in life workshops how to give a woman a pussy massage, a penis massage. Um, We just ran a workshop on full body orgasms where we showed also on a female body how to give a full body orgasm. So we have a lot of these, I run a lot of these secret online workshops. Um, It's quite difficult to get to them. So you have to be on my list in order to be invited to these erotic workshops. Um, I would say people should just like try to watch my YouTube videos. I'm starting start to post more YouTube videos again in the next couple of days. Um, just follow me. And then eventually I give invitations where people can, can uh, jump on my uh, VIP email list and then they might get invited. So that's what I'm doing. I'm also going to uh, launch an NFT project in about eight weeks, um, which is all around sensuality, love and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a big thing as well. So I think the best thing is really to just follow me on my um, public channels. May that be YouTube, Instagram, my Telegram groups. Um, and that's the best way to be updated on awesome. everything that I'm doing. Awesome. And we'll put all those links in our show notes for people. So um, Adina, thank you so much um, again for just your stand in the world, for who you are as a mother, for who you are as a leader in this conversation. Um, it was it was just such an honor to be in this space with you today and to be reminded of who we really are, because I get that that's what you're here for, is to remind people of who they really are and that pleasure is their mm. birthright, as Mama Gina would say. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I really appreciated your energy as well. So powerful, Mm. so strong, such amazing woman you are. Thank you for hosting this and giving this space. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Clitorati. With that, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.